It's a radical thing in today's culture for a young man to reject what the culture tells him will make him happy in favor of what God is showing him will truly make him happy. These are the honest conversations of the men discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of Nashville, seminarians learning what it means to follow Christ's call. You're going to have to interact with the people and you're going to have to knock on their door and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? Everything's going on. Dealing with the challenges. Sometimes I was like, boy, I wish I would have paid more attention in that class. <laughs> I'd be able to answer this question a little bit better. Let me get back to you. Finding the beauty. At least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers. We have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. This is the Nash Vocations Podcast. Adapted for Nashville Catholic Radio. This is basically a retake of the video we did this past week um, um, in which we did like a Q&A episode and, and which we took a question from from like a, 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 per, a person that we took a question that was submitted to us and we had a discussion on that. Like, uh, I might, I mean, help me with some of the other points that we made as a. So one of the points we made was that it is a dogmatic statement that Jesus did descend into hell. And while that did not appear in the creed until the eighth century, the apostles creed, we can tell from scripture that it is in scripture. So it's not just something that the church pulled out of a hat and said, Oh, we should say this in the creed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's like, and we, we also said there's like some bottom line uh, types of things that Catholics have to believe about because it is a, a, a an article of faith uh, that again, that, that when it comes to um, like people before the Old Testament, like a, people before the coming of the the, the establishment of the new covenant uh, that Jesus brought uh, by his by his uh, death and resurrection, again there was a place where the so before heaven opened up, there was some place that all the souls that like, that souls went. And especially the righteous of the Old Testament times and and the righteous of the Old Testament times were we determined both um, the Israelites, God's people and those who were not a part of the Israelite, the right, the righteous pagans and stuff who never knew about God and never knew about Israel, but lived a good life as best as they were able to to. And so they went somewhere in the afterlife and and. There's speculation about the nature of what they did, or like what they did, or where how they, they yeah, where they were. But bottom line, they couldn't go to heaven yet until Jesus died and 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 descended into that place, which is called hell, but also we call it Sheol or like uh, Hades, Hades and stuff. And so he descended into the realm of the dead, and then. He took people, he took those souls, especially especially the righteous of the Old Testament uh, in terms of the, the Israelites and, and anybody else who might have been righteous and brought them into the kingdom of heaven. And then once he did that, the kingdom of heaven was opened up and then began what we know, then began what we know to be the case in terms of the afterlife is that when souls die, either when if they die in a friendship of God, die in a state of grace to the to the best of the, the, to their knowledge that they've received, they go to purgatory and eventually to heaven or for some of those lucky souls, they go straight to heaven. 
um, and those who die outside of God's friendship in a state of mortal sin, they go to hell. And so that's what we know in the new dispensation of the new, of the new covenant. And um, again, so that's some of the basic things that we have to believe as Catholics about that question. And then the nature of some of, these, some of the other questions involved like kind of up for speculation and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we did, we talked a bit briefly, very briefly about what um, Hans, Urs von, Hans Urs von Balthasar uh, had to believe about Christ's descent. Um, he, he had an, this idea that Christ um, suffered as he went into hell, that instead of going in triumphantly, which is uh, Aquinas' position and really mo most of the church's major theologians' position, he had this idea that Christ basically descended into hell like a corpse, just passively. And in doing so, he basically went to the deepest extents of hell to basically take in everything and sort of in, in solidarity with all the dead to become, to be fully human, fully destitute in order that he might, his victory over death might be all the greater. Um, you don't have to believe what Balthazar believes. He's a great theologian, but a lot of people think and well thought and still some still do think that he was a heretic he's not been officially condemned by the church um like a lot of dominicans think oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but and i mean there's there is probably some some ideas there and there are definitely truths that underlie his thought um and I, I mean granted also his his thought is based on uh on somebody else's spiritual reflection so does you don't necessarily have to eat as as, in, as something to reflect on is something that you can definitely reflect on to understand Christ's humanity, but you don't have to, you don't have to accept it as a dogmatic statement. Yeah, I think uh, going off what Nazo was saying, yeah, I just remember like whenever you hear you know that in the creed, um, just don't think of it as like the hell that we think about, um, and go along with what Nazo was saying that yeah, because we, you know, it's, as the Catholic faith, we don't they they souls in hell, they don't get redeemed. Like they're always going to be there. Yeah. So just to remember that. And and we do take it literally that Christ descended, like yeah. he actually descended. So because there are Protestants who interpret the descent into hell as an analogy or as a symbol because they take um, the words of Jesus on the cross to the penitent thief, uh, today will be, this day will be with me in paradise. They're like, oh, so that means he went straight to heaven as soon as he died, and it's just like, well, that what was the t what was the point of the t the three days in the grave then? And so, but you know, yeah, we do we do hold as true that Christ descends to hell, and I mean, that's how else was he going to go and liberate Free everybody? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and, and not only do we, we definitely believe that it was, it was a literal descent, but also again amongst the early, earliest of the church fathers, like I mentioned in the podcast, I mean, in the, uh, not the podcast, but the in the Bible study on Wednesday, um, again, it goes, uh, this belief goes as far back as uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch. It goes even, I mean, it's in the Bible. For, yeah, it's in, yeah, it's in the it Bible. Goes back yeah. to, it goes back to apostolic times. Yeah. It goes back yeah. to St. Paul. It goes back to Jesus, because Jesus himself even says, the souls of the departed will hear me. Like, how else are they going to hear him unless he goes down and talks to them? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true, but it's like, like from, I guess, like a, like a post-biblical Christian, like a historical point of view that it goes back. Because again, like some people, like, like some Protestants probably look at those passages very differently. 
and it might think, okay, if that's the tr- if that's the truth, then like, okay, this is what Christians believe until like, like the Catholic Church like popped in and said, oh, oh like, oh, no, like oh, that's false. This is what you got to believe and everything. When all the early true Christians believed some. But, but like I bring up the point about like Saint Ignatius of Antioch because that's one of the earliest church fathers and he believes what we believe about uh, the descent into hell, like a literal descent into hell, pulling the souls out of it. And then and, you know, and, and then on, on like a last point on that, like uh, like another uh, like I think you said the eighth century. Was, the eighth century is when he descended into hell was put into the uh, Roman Jesus. Creed, mm-hmm. then the Apostles' Creed, mm-hmm. and so. Like, uh, and I think I saw another source that said like they gave like fifth century, fourth century. It was fourth, fourth century was the Roman baptismal creed, and descending yeah, into hell yeah. was not in there. Mm-hmm. But eighth century is when descending into hell became part of that Roman baptismal creed, mm-hmm. and that transformed into the Apostles' Creed. Okay, okay, good. Uh, and so again, that's and that was. Oh, okay. oh, that was it. Okay, and and that was basically the extent of our conversation before it got cut out. And again, and. Oops. <laughs> yeah, and when before we got cut out, we the original plan was to was to discuss like uh, kind of like our hobbies and stuff in the Q and A. Just questions Q&A for you guys to get to know like us. That. Yeah, but we kind of changed up on that and and decided that instead of just doing hobbies because uh, then that didn't exactly go as well as we thought at the end. We're just going to kind of take like some questions that you've sent us that uh, we can. Um, like tackle, so you can just kind of get to know us and get to know again who are the like who are the guys who are the seminarians behind the Bible study that you watch hopefully uh, every week and stuff. So, uh, but who are those guys? You know, <laughs> who are those? And so, um, I guess we can definitely get straight to them. And, and again, I want to thank you uh, for all those who sent me questions through my Black Catholic Apostolate uh, through Facebook and um, and through Twitter um, and because. Uh, I sent out that rallying call on that Wednesday, and I'm um, thank you for sending me these, uh, these, some of these questions and stuff to, um, in particular, Molly James, uh, Jenny Pride, Carol Taylor, and Rodney uh, Dowdy. Again, you, Rodney, you sent a very good question on the, that's dealing with the Book of Job. So we're gonna uh, deal with that question when we have a regular, bit, uh, regular um, um, Book of Job episode next so, Wednesday. Yeah. Next Wednesday, <laughs> and stuff. So. First question we got lined up is, again, from a, a Molly James question. Okay. What is your favorite part of being a seminarian? I like the liturgy. I think that's, that's for me, that's sort of what drew, drew me to the priesthood in the first place. Um, so I enjoy serving at mass and especially for like the big masses, the chrism mass. I, I do enjoy, and like the ordination, I do enjoy, um, I do enjoy that. I don't know if it'll be if necessarily my favorite, but I think that's it's kind of hard for me to mm. figure out what exactly is my favorite moment. My favorite part of being a seminarian is the fraternity with my fellow seminarians and the fraternity amongst the priests when we all get together and just being able to be with the people of God. I think those are my favorite moments and parts of being a seminarian. I'm still thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still thinking too. But yeah, I definitely <laughs> yeah. Uh, like agree like, with the camaraderie. Even the camaraderie, like especially the camaraderie that you're able to share with the seminarians that you actually go to your particular school with. I, yes. mean, I think we can kind of talk about that a little bit. Like because, like as you know, like not every like probably true for every diocese. I mean, 
like probably most a, a diocese doesn't typically send all of their seminarians to one school. The diocese. It, it, I think actually, I think our diocese is a little bit of an outlier. Yeah, our diocese that we sent to several seminaries. Most okay. dioceses usually send the guys to one yeah, diocese. Like Fort Worth sends to St. Joseph's yeah. in Covington, Louisiana, and uh, mm, yeah. one in Texas. Yeah, I they forget usually, which one. Like, if they have a college seminary, that's where all their college guys yeah. go. Yeah. If they have a theology seminary, that's where all their theology yeah, guys like that, go. That's what I'm more or less kind of talking oh, about. Okay. Like, in yeah. terms of like the division between college seminaries oh, okay. and yeah. then who studied yeah. philosophy and like the, the major seminarians who studied theology, like, Oftentimes they could be going to different places and okay, stuff like yeah. that, unless like the school, like uh, like 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 uh, seminary, yeah, the Josephine one we used to send. Yeah. They had they have college whole, and a theology, the whole program there, and so like, but but either way, it's like they when you when you have this point where you see like you send like the uh, the college seminary seminarians uh, that are coming out of high school and never had a college degree going into seminary. And then you have like the the major seminarians that who maybe have a college degree going to what's called pre theology, and they study two years philosophy before they go into their theology years. Again, oftentimes that can be split up, and there's a very good type of chronometer that can be had between the seminarians that you actually kind of in the grind daily with and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, so my favorite part about seminary, yeah, being a seminarian, being, being a, a seminarian. seminarian. Oh gosh, yeah. So my favorite had to be yeah same thing fraternity, uh, but I definitely think that there is something to being at mass because um, that's definitely the center of the day. So for example, eleven thirty every day that's when we have mass, um, and I think just being at mass with all the seminarians, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's nothing more obviously more powerful than the mass. I guess the biggest prayer we can offer you know, to the Father, um, but yeah. It's not something I can really explain, but that, yeah, I think that's definitely my favorite part of, you know, being a seminarian, you know, going to mass every day. And um, even like afterwards, it just always seems that, you know, even if guys are having maybe like a bad day or something, you know, you go to mass, like there's, after every mass, it just seems like, you know, everybody is just, you know, stronger because of that. And it just brings, it, it brings everything into perspective, you know, like what you're doing. Mm. So, and again, uh, I think my probably my favorite part of being a seminarian is like the intersection between like being a person that I mean, being a lay person, but also like the priesthood in a way. And so there's an intersection with us. We're still lay people, uh, except for those who are ordained deacons. Most seminaries are just still lay people, but we are encountering the priesthood in a very particular and intimate way in which we're trying to become priests. And so like that world collides. And so and within that intersection is is the ability to try to like and have the opportunity to be priestly, to be um, be like in a. And as best as you can in the current form in your current level of formation, a priest. And I think that's like being a priest, like in training. It's kind of maybe my, my favorite part, and, and and all of the and all of the particularities that I can touch upon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I think two in particular that I think come to mind it is the fact that you can you, you can like the interaction that you can have. 
the priestly, even the, the priestly type of interaction that you can have with the people of God. Yes. And where and where you and where you kind of, you you're kind of like a like you're definitely not a, you're definitely not clergy, but people see you and 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 handle you in a kind of a semi clerical type of way. Uh, and so like there's there's ways you can you can I think I've experienced ways that you I, I've been able to minister and and touch people touch people touch people's lives and and minister to them in a way that I would not be able to do as a lay person as a just like a person on the street and everything and not a seminary but it's because I'm training going towards the priest I'm able to kind of like touch them in a priestly way reach out to them in a priestly way uh, and and then I guess the second point is like try it's like uh, trying to be holy in a priestly way so praying out so like the like the everything that goes along with praying the office and praying the and going to mass and like altar serving and stuff and even like to the the kind of mundane of like dressing and even looking like a priest and stuff like that so you get the chance to kind of feel like a priest so that that's my favorite part i, I do I, I do agree with you in terms of like the opportunity to encounter the people of god yeah. um just because i know growing up when you, when you when you grow up in one particular parish or one particular community, that's really the extent of the expression of the faith that you're used to. But like becoming being a seminarian, being able to go to different parishes, meet encounter different people, is definitely broadened my horizon in terms of what it means to be Catholic, what it means to be a Christian. Um, and I, I've definitely that's something I've, that I I do really enjoy being able to meet new people and see just how far reaching um, God's grace is and how. How it can change lives. Yeah, you 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 don't think the same way that you used to think after a couple of years in seminary. You think differently. Like if I were to discern out right now or get asked to leave by the diocese or seminary, I couldn't go back to what I was before I entered seminary. Like I am completely different. I know things now, and I just can't go back to that. Even if, even though I wasn't that bad of a person, even if I was still a, a better person than I was, I still wouldn't be able to go back to that type of person. I, Cause like I wear this chain as my consecration of rosary. I have on a balanced scapular. I have on a, a, a miraculous medal and a crucifix. It's like those things remind me of what I am, but it's also the intellectual formation and the spiritual formation and all the other formation that is now in my head. It's like, I've learned things and I can't go back on those things. It's like, I have to live out what I have learned and I have to live and continue to be holy. And it changes you in a radical way that I don't think you can get otherwise. Like I think some experiences that lay people can maybe get that way is like going on a Curcio like that, that radically changes those men and women who go on a Curcio movement and seminary is like that, but it's eight, six years of that. Yeah. And that's precisely why when a guy leaves seminary, he or you can say he discerns out. That's the term that people use. He has not failed. He 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 did not fail in doing what God is trying is God is asking him to do. He succeeded, succeeded in the fact that he went he he took the chance and he went and tried to do and, and follow God's call. But he also succeeded again when he got out of seminary. He followed God's call out of the seminary, and so now. He he's going to precisely take the ways he's been changed and bring that into the vocation he's going to have. And he's going to be a better Catholic man for the church in like for it and stuff. And so he's going to take 
his formation and he's and and he's gonna be a better formed husband or better formed like uh monk, monk if, if he go, yeah or brother if he goes yeah if he, brother if he goes to religious life and so like like a person who's a, a, a man who's gone to seminary but has discerned out is not a failure in any sense of the word so and with that like we can kind of move on to a, like a to a more kind of uh fun question that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, my, 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 like, I know what you mean. Just keep going. Yeah, okay. That got, that got really deep, and it's like, like uh, anyway. But is there any food you won't eat? How about if you offered up for the holy souls? It's another Molly James question. I know my. Got the, one, <laughs> the food that I hate. Um, and I used to be a picky eater when I was younger and not so much anymore at all. I'll eat anything, but the one food that I still do not like is olives. I hate olives. I'll try one every now and then to see (laughs) See if I still don't like it. Actually, the other day I, uh, I was getting salad and there was like, I didn't know there was a little piece of uh, olive in there and I ate it. I'm just like, Oh man, it's an olive. (laughs) But yeah, I've never liked olives. For me, I, I am a picky eater, um, and there's some, there's certain foods I don't eat as a matter of principle. Um, one of those is macaroni and cheese. What really? What? I refuse to eat macaroni and cheese. So when I was a kid, you never cut craft like like I, like I don't I, I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot stick. Oh, so good. Um, when I was a kid, my mom worked at this daycare, and so I went there during the summer, and they'll give us cheese and crackers, and I hated it. And so I just told myself from childhood that I hated cheese. And I've grown older and I've realized that I don't necessarily hate cheese, I just hated that particular cheese and the, with those crackers. Hmm. But since I was growing up, I, I would say I didn't, like, I didn't like cheese, so that means I didn't like macaroni and cheese. So I never tried macaroni and cheese. Um, but then I discovered pizza, which has cheese on yeah. it. And so, so, and then I'll, like, if it was like on a burger, I'll, I wouldn't go out of my way to order cheese. But like if it was like if I went to McDonald's and they put the cheese on my burger, I'll eat it. Um, but even then, like I'll still like scrape off all the excess cheese. Um, Not me. <laughs> but so yeah, but yeah, that was that was but yeah, macaroni and cheese. So like whenever I go home and and my family's having macaroni and cheese, it's just like you know I don't eat this. <laughs> um, but no, I, I have a laundry list of foods I don't don't like. I don't like sausages. Um, Yes, it's. I just. I You're just weird, don't. man. I know. Well, I, the way I talk it up to me being Nigerian. How'd you? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you well, doesn't your family eat that <laughs> stuff? They eat macaroni and cheese. Like, how'd you? How'd you make it here, man? They make it a seminary. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly though, there's some days if I walk in and I, the, like I, just, I see, so I see uh, sausages, uh, mac and cheese, sauerkraut. I walk out. I was like, oh, looks like a subway kind of day. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I, I just, I just can't do it. No, but hmm. like, we, we, like at least I'm joking and kind of laughing at you. But I understand. But I kind of understand, and I think I feel a similar way with you in regards to cheese. But <laughs> what is wrong with y'all? No, wait, no, no, no. But, but cheese no, no, is like one of the greatest no, things God ever no, invented. No, no, right, no, I'm no, out of here. No, no, wait, no, but but hear me out. No, like, like unless you're lactose intolerant, I wouldn't. Like, but. I recognize even as a kid, just like what you said about pizza, about there was contradictions in in my supposed dislike of like cheese. 
Because, like, I wouldn't, cause when I was younger, I wouldn't eat a cheeseburger. And anyway, if I got it at Walmart, I mean, not Walmart. <laughs> I didn't know they made cheeseburgers at Walmart. Walmart. McDonald's, y'all the same. <laughs> I don't think I want to try a Walmart cheeseburger. Well, they did be on the frozen section. But but anyway, but, like, when you went to McDonald's with these fast food and, and, and somebody ordered a hamburger for me and had cheese, I would scrape it off as a, as a kid. Um, because I think, to me, it tasted more like, the throw up or something like that. It was more. It was too cheesy or something. But I ate pizza all good. I ate Cheetos all good. I ate macaroni and cheese actually good. I, I don't. I don't so, like Cheetos. Like and so like I, I ate Doritos. Okay. Cheese on, on, on Doritos. Cheese byproduct. Cheese cheese product and stuff yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of like. I mean, shoot, like you think. Like there's a lot of cheese products being used, even on like hamburgers and stuff like that. And so it's still, it still it taste, still tastes like cheese. But as you see, there's many convoluted kind of things. But and so for years I spent to try to figure out exactly why and everything. And so, but I I would eat a cheeseburger now nowadays and stuff. But there's still like it. I think something with cheese I wouldn't go like a bridge too far. And I think I know. I think I figured out after all these years that bridge. What like there's something about cheese that what what is that. That I, that I don't like about cheese, but I like it in other circumstances. I think I think for me, and maybe you might feel the same way, is that if it if something tastes too cheesy, or it's like if if it's too sharp or too too heavy, I think I, I think I tend towards the, like the creamy kind of cheeses, in which yeah, the I cheese it, it does depend on the kind yeah, of cheese. Yeah, like I don't even blocks of cheese and stuff like that, but like but not the, but typically white cheese, but not like yeah, the yellow yeah, cheese. Yeah. If it's if it's um if it complements the food nicely, or if it's, if it's creamy, it's more kind of understated. Then that's that's the type of cheese experience that I that I think I, I prefer. I, I don't like blue cheese. cheese. I do know that. Yeah, blue cheese is terrible, man. It's like I like blue cheese. That, that, blue cheese is good on a salad. It's an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. I used to hate it. You know, because one part of the reason I, I don't like blue cheese because like I've I, I've tried blue cheese like on a salad, and when I was a kid growing up in Nigeria, I was four or five at the time. So don't judge me. I would eat ants. And every time I eat blue cheese, all I can taste are those ants I ate <laughs> as a four or five year old. So that might be why it puts me off. This has been an adaptation of the Nash Vocations podcast for Nashville Catholic Radio in conjunction with the Vocations Office of the Diocese of Nashville, shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM and streaming at NashvilleCR.com.